Welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast, where your host, Isabel Ross, interviews experts and athletes in the field of endurance sports. Isabel Ross is a three-time Australian long-distance mountain running representative at the World Championships with a best finishing place of 10th female. Twice Australian trail champion, she has won the six-foot track marathon, run a sub-three-hour marathon, and won a 24-hour track race overall with a distance of 198.7 kilometers, as well as competing in and winning grueling ultramarathons in rugged, mountainous terrain. Isabel has raced all over the world, including participating in the notorious Barkley Marathons. Isabel is an Australian and USA-accredited endurance coach working with athletes of all levels and is a certified UESCA ultra running coach. She's also a personal trainer and podcast host. Are injuries or niggles ruining your enjoyment of running and hindering your performance? Get on top of these and see the specialists at Health and High Performance. Utilising the latest in technology and with a wealth of experience, the team at Health and High Performance can assist you with all your running, injury and performance needs. So get back to enjoying your running and achieving the results you are capable of. Head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run or find them on Instagram at healthhighperformance. Health and High Performance are located in Montalbert, Melbourne, but are available for telehealth appointments not only Australia-wide, but also around the world. Contact them on their website to find out more. Wild Earth Australia are the online store to help you make the most out of the outdoors with top quality gear at great prices. Peak Endurance podcast listeners can use the discount code PEAKENDURANCE in all capitals to get 10% off at checkout. Head on over to wildearth.com.au to get everything you need for your next adventure. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Episode 105 is an interview with Bernadette Benson, who describes herself as a whole food, plant-based, can Aussie, ultra runner, living in Wondiligong, Australia. But Bernadette is so much more than that. She is an amazing athlete who has le- had led the adventure life for many years and doesn't look to be stopping anytime soon. I have followed Bernadette's adventures for years and always found her incredibly inspiring. So thought it best to get her on the podcast and hear from the horse's mouth, so to speak, what inspires her to run the most incredible races and also enables her to do so well at them. If this is the first time you've heard of Bernadette, I hope you're as amazed as I am. And if you already know her, I hope you enjoy the interview and that it adds to your knowledge of her. And if you all do enjoy this episode, which I'm sure you will, we certainly enjoyed recording it, please go on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review and subscribe. It really helps grow the audience and the show. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. If you are looking to challenge and extend your limits and maybe pick a crazy race, obviously maybe here in Australia at the moment, you need to have structured individualised training to help you get there. If you want to achieve your best, email me, isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au to get a program started. Enjoy the podcast. Hi Bernadette and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. No it's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's a chance to just test my memory. On <laughs> yes, that's right. Because <laughs> in the pre-chat, I said I'm going to be talking about all your races. So you're going to have to dredge through your, your memory. It'll, it'll be nice maybe for you to relive all of those as well. 
Yeah, oh yeah, hopefully, or else it might make me just uh, decide it's time to retire. No, <laughs> no, never. <laughs> never retire. We'll, we'll get into that later, actually. I'll, I'll talk to you a bit about that. Um, not that I thought you were ever going to be retiring. So, um, first of all, can you just tell the listeners just about you, yourself, your athletic background and how you got into running and ultimately ultra running? <laughs> Okay, is this the twenty-word version? Is this the, Whatever the cocktail it party version? <laughs> <laughs> I like to run. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, well, um, I mean, you spent some time in Canada, where I came from. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's where I got my start in running. Was um, in I was living in Calgary yep. then, and I ran for, um, I guess, for, for fitness. I didn't start running until I was mm, 30-ish, I guess. And that was just because, yeah, it, it was changes in my body. And yep, yeah. so it was <laughs> time to start. I had to earn my wine and beer credits <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> yep, yep, that sounds familiar. So, yes, I, I, um, I started running and really it was a means to an end. I ran for the calorie count, basically. Um, it was not a love affair at all. <laughs> uh, and that went on for some years, really, until I happened to hear about uh, trail runners, this mad bunch of people who were going out at night with headlamps in the winter, even yeah. in the mountains. <laughs> and running in the snow and it's just wow okay um maybe Did i gotta try that trail runners? um so the group was trail trash at the time mm -hmm. my my group that i got involved yeah. in was yeah called trail trash and um yeah uh, so i started in with them and it was on, but it was only a couple of years after that so that was around 2007 and then it was um or 2006 maybe actually and then by 2008 i had made the move to australia to perth may i ask so, why you would move to australia when you were living in canada <laughs> yeah. canada is so awesome and the canadians and australians have this like love affair it seems with each other's countries yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, as a fairly new trail runner, too, and you having been there, I think you can really appreciate now, too, there's a really long shoulder season. And mm. so the mud, mm. uh, the mud bog season yeah. was really long. And, um, you know, running through that, that snow that you break through that rips your the shreds the front of your shins so you're bleeding and and yeah the mud for just months stuck to your shoes it felt like and I wasn't into really into winter sports either so I didn't really grow up with it in the sense that we weren't a moneyed family so skiing wasn't a thing so I kind of taught myself a bit yeah that was pretty ordinary at it and um so I, I tried some things for sure and some snowshoeing and stuff so yeah um then I kind of made an excuse of um deciding to do a PhD and was looking around the world and I had looked thought about Europe but um decided I would give myself it was funny because I thought I'd give myself English 
like pick an English speaking country because it make it I'm coming on my own. Yeah. So then it was actually looked like it was going to be New Zealand. And then just with the scholarship opportunities and things, then it turned into Australia. But the real irony was um, in that those first two weeks, I was just, I, I would listen to the radio. I remember listening to Triple J and it was like, when I lived in China, it was just like, I have no idea what they just said. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just sit there and mimic. I still find myself doing it sometimes, just mimicking when I hear voices. And it's like, you saw, <laughs> I saw that <laughs> instead of I saw that. And I know people do the same with my accent. <laughs> it's more than a decade on. And uh, yeah. But you've still got a decent accent, though. It's a mutt accent, and I can even hear that it's a mutt accent. I met a woman in Canada, actually, who was from Australia, and she'd been in Canada forever, and she had the same mutt accent as me. Yeah. yeah. So my family notices it, and yeah. when I go back to Canada, I get in trouble for not sounding properly Canadian. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, as for how I got into ultra running it was um I was dabbling uh in it just when I started trail running with these um this mob of people because they were always going off to races and stuff and I thought well you know what's the point of that what's you know we've got all this amazing terrain to run in and it's free you know what's the big deal about races and finally decided to tag along with them to um to an event and then I just got got in f fast yeah I guess so what was mm -hmm. your first ultra distance race the first one was um was in Canada and that was the lost soul 50 oh. kilometer yeah mm -hmm. which I really fluked and won oh wow uh, awesome. which <laughs> yeah I I was running with girls in my group who were certainly uh, I know I they were faster than me they didn't sign up for the race so it was encouraging I guess for me too and I had really good support from my mates who were out there as well and just giving me tips along the way to really help you know when I would stop at an aid station and start <laughs> chowing down and they're like eat and run kind of thing and it's like, but I'm enjoying myself <laughs> <for a cheer." laughs> so so yeah they they helped me to it and um and but then uh I moved after that race I moved to Australia and uh I did I think after I moved I did I might have done the six inch race and oh, yeah. there's a race there called the four there was the 40 miler they really didn't have in WA they really yeah. weren't ultras and and um, but there was this 40 miler I think a lot of people used it for comrades training it was really quite flat railway yeah. trail kind of thing and I I remember doing that and it was just yeah it was horrific and basically my first two years I just or a year and a half I just bounced off injuries I had no idea what I was doing it was just I ended up in surgery oh, it was really? just a disaster of for like what? surgery for what I inflamed my um, tib fib joint just 
so the um, lateral knee, um, like outside of the knee, yeah. sort of under the kneecap, I inflamed that joint so badly. Wow. I was running around even it was it started before I even moved to Australia. And how oh, my mates like, bless them but yeah they had no idea right they weren't physical. I was like should my knees hurt like this is running supposed to oh yeah yeah I had three sets of patellofemoral straps like people would give me these straps oh try these straps oh try these straps and you know take some more vitamin I you know ibuprofen and yeah yeah, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I just, I ran myself into just so much injury and then it, I ended up needing to get that. It was just like a, a bursa had just developed and it gotten so big that even with six weeks of rest, it, it wouldn't, the wall, the bursa was just so thick. And so they had to go in and scrape it all out. And that was a real, that was a huge turning point for me yeah. with, with what I was doing because that was um the end of 2009 yeah and I was doing all the deals with the devil in my brain you know if I could only run 30k with my mates like <laughs> even if I can never race again could I please mm. have that like all those kinds of things um mm. just really thinking about what was important to me and uh and really wanting to do it right and you know, yeah. I was just, I was just doing everything. So were you just doing too many kilometers or what was it? Um, so too many kilometers for myself. Cause I didn't, you know, like, I didn't know where, like musculoskeletal adaptation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't like even that. say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you need to build a foundation before you, you know, like just no idea. So I would go online and I mean, I had mates who were doing the same thing, but so we went online and it's like, oh, well, you have to do back-to-back -back long runs. And so all of that kind of stuff, my nutrition, um, I kept improving my daily nutrition over time, but, you know, rate or running nutrition, I didn't have a clue. I would come home just shattered and lay on the sofa for two or three hours and I'd say again to my mates is this normal and they're like yeah like, really <laughs> supposed to feel this we're, we feel we're supposed to feel this bad after like a training run <laughs> it doesn't seem like I'm doing it right but yeah so a, a lot of um not getting I think not you know running way too much for mm. the experience that I had I did no strength work yeah because I thought just running up mountains must be yeah. making me strong so no strength work mm. no not just yeah nothing <laughs> yeah. So, so you got so the surgery helped I presume yeah 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 so that was successful just getting that all that big bursa cleaned out and um the surgeon was really good my sports doc was really good and um they really read me the riot act and i think i've always been really really good at listening to the experts you yeah. know i learned that you know your mates are lovely people but usually don't have a clue <laughs> in terms of things like that so i really learned to find good experts and listen to them and so when they said to me you know if you try to run before 
you know, basically they were saying we're building you up, but you know, the first six weeks is no running. And, you know, and that, but then still I'm sitting there on the floor with, you know, I've still got the stitches in and everything and I'm trying to do bicep curls. And then when I saw, I saw the surgeon for the like three day follow up or whatever, he goes, don't you think that you should maybe your your healing leg might need a little bit of oxygenated blood flow instead of your <laughs> bicep. <laughs> yeah, I still have a lot to learn, don't I? <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So anyway, I learned yeah learned to listen to them and yeah, yeah. it was just up and up and up from there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fairly common. I mean, I certainly injured myself when I first started too. Not not quite to that extent. But um, I think it's fairly common because you get so excited and you love running so much and you just think, well, I love it. I'll just do more. And um, that's not always the right thing, is it? Yeah. And there's that. There's, of course, the FOMO yeah. stuff, too. And yeah, listening to other people. Yeah. And I, I think even so much of sort of when I was getting into it, too, really around that 2007, 2009, you know, we had the Anton Krupitschkas and all of those kinds of, and the barefoot in there just didn't running on chia seeds or whatever. It was just like, there was just all this sexy, glamorous yeah. type stuff and people are running, you know, 200 miles a week, whatever. And we were also as ultra runners taking a lot of our um, ideas from the road running culture. So it was like, oh, you have to run. 150k a week yeah and then as I started really diving into the literature and stuff too I was like oh, but wait these are you know say American elite road runners mm -hmm. they're running 150k a week in 10 hours of training yeah. right because yeah. their easy run pace is a is a 430 pace <laughs> or a 415 pace and yeah. then they do their speed work at a three minute or a 315 pace or something yeah. so they're getting their whole volume in in like 10 hours of training yeah. and we're taking that mentality and then even bringing it into trails it makes it take even longer yeah yeah it's like okay so i need 20 hours where's yeah. my recovery yeah 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 so how many k's a week do you do nine um sometimes i i do do 150 k's actually yeah, yeah, a week yeah, yeah. with of course. yeah with um and with vert in there as well yeah. but yeah. um yeah but that's been you know that, that that's been a long evolution because certainly yeah back in 2009 if i ran over 80k a week i was broken but yeah. on 80k a week i could still I could win races so yeah. then I could go to a six inch race or something on 80k a week or 85k a week and, and I could win that race yeah. but then it got with again I just with my adaptations 80 to 85k a week became base yes so once I was that adapted if I just wanted to maintain yeah. I like in an off season I'd have yeah. to run about 80k to maintain yeah. a base yeah. yeah yeah no no I totally agree and, and I do believe that that you really need it's not it's it's the years in your legs it's not just the everyone can go out and do 150k weeks you've got to have that all those years in the bank of, of the training to get ready for that yeah and it's it's also knowing though that it doesn't mean that you can't 
you can't win a race or you can't mm. excel or you can't do well um, if you're not doing 150K yes. a week. Yeah. Because, yeah, when I was doing 80, 85, and I remember Dave Mackey in America, he was famously known for only running 50 mile weeks all the time in training yeah. Yeah. and winning races like crazy. And yeah. he was the low mileage guy. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, I think, yeah, we I think get really caught up in, isn't it? It's like, it, it just depends on what your body is like. Yeah. And thinking it's taking the prescription, you know, what shoes do you wear? I'll wear those. What yeah. nutrition do you use? I'll use that. What mileage do you run? I'll do that. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. No, that's just yeah, asking for trouble. Now, look, I looked at your blog, which I'll put a link to in the show notes so other people can be just as amazed as me. And I can see that you've done some <laughs> amazing runs, Um, you know, like starting on, on, on those sort of what you started with in Western Australia and even Lost Soul isn't a really, you know, that's not a super hilly one or anything like that, as I recall. But um, yeah, Lost Soul's insidious kind of because it's yes. these short, sharp yeah. climbs. But not yeah, the, the big climbs. But I, I see some of the races you've done. Like, can, can you tell us what led to you wanting to do such, such you know, um, different races really technical ones or really mountainous or really cold like what led to such a wide variety of distances and terrains and environments mm. um yeah i do i i think everything boils down for for me everything boils down to a challenge yeah so if i can find a personal challenge in it yeah. um then i've got my hook so um yeah after I mean, my first 24 hour race, that was, that was pretty much right after my surgery. Like I think my surgery was October, 2009 and it was June, 2010. I did the first 24 hour wow. um, track race <laughs> and I'd met um, my now partner at the end of 2009, just as I'd had that surgery and I was recovering. So I met him in December and um, and so we were a thing then into the beginning of 2010. And then I announced, I'm, I think I did a 50 K race, um, in April or something was kind of my comeback. And, and then, um, and that was a road race. And then I picked this Sri Chamoy 24 hour and he, yeah, he just, he was, didn't come from a running background at all. Oh, okay. he, he was just like. <laughs> 24 hours around a track are you serious like what on earth could be <laughs> you probably wishes that that's the kind of races you didn't know it'd be easier uh, but um yeah it was it, it just somehow so intrigued me as just such a different challenge and I was still I still um just had my Canadian citizenship so not Australian um then as well yet but I had a look yeah. I don't know what even what oh. triggered me to even look at records online, but I had looked and found out somehow about, you know, the, the national records. And, uh, and I thought, and I just put it in my mind. I thought I, I did all the maths in different ways. I, but I'd never run more than 75 kilometers in an event. Yeah. And, um, but I, I figured it out and I thought I could run 200 and set my mind on that and off I went but yeah so and what did you get 
I read 201, I think oh, it was. Awesome. I was falling off the two. I think 192, I seem to recall, was the record at the time. And that must have been, that would have been an age group record for whatever age I was then. Um, and I was falling off the pace then to hit the 200, but it was a shocking year that year at Sri Chamoy. Everyone fell off. I remember partway mm. through like Mick Francis and all these mm. other like legends were there. And I remember like eight hours in or something, Rolf, my partner saying to me something like, you know, um, you're ahead of Mick now, or you're leading the race. And I was like, whoa, okay, something really, I've screwed this up then. I've screwed <laughs> up my pacing. I've stolen, like, I should not be leading this race. But it was just a shocking year and um, just where Why? so many people had problems. I I think it was, it was definitely a cold night, which was huh. fine with me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, so that really... I think affected a lot of people and and then yeah I think there were just lots of you know so somebody had terrible blisters and somebody else had gastro there were I remember people like puking off to the side of the track and stuff going wow I've never seen things like this before <laughs> <laughs> is that normal because I'm not gonna puke I'm definitely not gonna puke <laughs> so yeah there were just it was just different things for different different people. Mm. Actually, I remember a guy getting taken um, to hospital. Oh. I remember this ambulance car came and uh, skin and bones. Um, Sullivan. Um, why is his first name? He just uh, he just passed away last year. Oh. His full running name was Skin and Bones. Oh no, I don't know. Um, oh gosh. Um, wonderful person. Anyway, he, he went away in an ambulance and then, and I remember in my head thinking, why can't I go away in an ambulance? And then thinking that's a wrong attitude. <laughs> it's like, why can't I get bitten by a snake and have this be over? <laughs> but, um, yeah. So anyway, the whole, um, I mean, it was such a phenomenal experience too, because just everyone that was still in the day of, they were had manual lap scorers. So yeah. they had a whole row of the Sri Chamoy oh, team wow. there and you had your individual lap scorer who was there marking you. You were making oh, eye contact with job. them every time. And they changed every three or four hours to make sure that they would stay fresh yeah. <laughs> because it's such a monotonous kind of job and they would get that one or be. two athletes. Oh, wow. to, to score for and um and they always hand it off so you knew when your new lap score was coming in i was gonna you, say how would it, you know who would you make eye contact with yeah you, you, you always knew who yeah. your person was and and stayed in contact with them and yeah and because i guess too yeah i mean it's it's kind of their mo at the Shri races yeah. it's yeah. um really they're really lovely and um but yeah that that connection and then just everybody because I was going to be the only one to reach 200 kilometers as well in the whole event that year yeah. and it was also the national championship that year but I couldn't claim that because I wasn't Australian yeah. then yeah. and so everyone there just rallied around me and that really helped push me to just yeah. sort of stop slacking off and really find the strength to to get back to the to, to the 200 goal so yeah, yeah. yeah I did it and yeah, so that was a um, 
so that yeah that was the first experience with the the 24-hour yeah. track and then just I mean over time yeah it's just always something different like I mean when I went to UTMB I had never wanted to do UTMB mm. it was too big it was too sort of commercialized I don't know. Yeah. yeah yeah and yeah big loud like that's really not my my thing at all I don't need that I don't crave it I don't crave yeah. lots of noise and hoo-ha um yeah I I've <laughs> photographs from me and the Swiss Alpine race the first year I did it in the, and I'm going across a train trestle and this train's going by with all these people hollering out and I've got my fingers in my ears. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> so, but um, over the years, that one just slowly wormed its way and into my brain where I thought, you know, I was just again looking for another challenge and I realized I had enough points actually to yeah. apply. It just happened to be the case that I had enough points. And I thought, well, of course I can't win it. Um, you know, given my age and my talent and my strengths and whatever, but what could I do yeah. personally? What could I do as a 44 year old or whatever I was then, you know, woman, and then just looked at some other women who had finished it before and set myself a, a time goal that was a personal challenge. And then when I had that, I had my hook um, for that race. Yeah, so, okay. And what was your time yeah. goal? Um, it was a sub 30 hour. And uh, wow, that's awesome. And did you make it? Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I'd have to pull up my DV. I think it was 29 something. Oh, it was seventh place. Oh, wow. That's yeah. brilliant. I did yeah, not realize. Yeah, it yeah, was well, seventh place there. That's pretty mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and 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 I just didn't finish. You'd have gotten an entry into the following year too. Uh, not at that point. And uh, that was an interesting because that was back when UTMB was only putting the top five women on uh, the stage. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could go to races like Matterhorn All Tracks and they were putting the top 10 on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, UTMB. And that's, you know, that was right around the time, too, that Ruth Croft was winning and she boycotted the race. Oh, it on. was just an amazing, yeah, an amazing thing to. And, and uh, yeah, I really made I, I definitely made it known um, uh, about the, you know, my disappointment with that. Um, and I think it was actually maybe even the year after that, that yeah, they actually right. started yeah. putting because they were putting the top 10 men on yeah, but only the top five yeah. women yeah and uh yeah there were a lot of us voicing I really wanted to go find those other four women who were in those other fall and I I was almost yeah. the point where I just wanted to march the stage in a quiet <laughs> way but just like when they put those five women up to just go in behind that would have been awesome <laughs> even yeah. actually at um I seem to recall, well, Swiss Alpine, I was third. The second time I went to that race, I was third. And, but I, I seem to recall in the photos from that race, I think we had a, a group of 10 women in there. I remember yeah. like Andrea Hooser and a bunch of, you know, Denise Zimmerman, yeah. like a lot of just an amazing crew. But I remember there's a, a photo of a big group of us. So yeah, 
I think um, they were doing it too, even before UTMP was doing it. Mm. Interesting, because I kind of thought UTMB was kind of the leader with all that sort of stuff in the main. Mm. No, they came in, I, I think, and I mean no disrespect to, to them, but I, I do think they came in a bit um, kicking and screaming sort of <laughs> about it. Yeah. yeah. So really I, focused on the, the times and the yeah. quality, the depth of the field was yeah. their argument. Nice. There wasn't the depth. And we were trying to say, yeah, but we need to encourage right. more well, women to have a go to yeah. improve the depth of the field. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 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 Oh, well, at least no, they do, I suppose. So what year, what year did you say that was? I don't think I did say. Mm. <laughs> so what year um, gosh, would that have been five years ago, maybe? Oh, I did is that all? Be? Oh, my golly. Maybe, maybe five yeah. or six years ago. Yeah. yeah. The trophies are all in a packing box somewhere. Yes. Um, they'll they'll maybe get your, um, your very blank um, bookshelf. With yes. Not, not even one book on it. Or one <laughs> Which literally just got moved into this room like 20 minutes before this. <laughs> podcast yeah. <laughs> it's not it's she's not going for the minimalist look as we discussed um yeah <laughs> yes yeah it would be really yeah um I don't know maybe magnanimous of me or something to say oh yes I just give away all my trophies That's afterwards right. they're meaningless <laughs> to me I let my dog chew on them or something but, <laughs> but I do try to keep them very restricted to one area so they do tend to pile on top because of each other so I I, I do, um, which is a wonderful, like, I, I just, yeah, that to look at that and I do try to keep them sort of, yeah, on one yeah. table, like not getting it out of, like, I don't need everything sort of yeah. all like, sort of, I'm happy to have it sort of jammed all together. And it's just, it's amazing memories. And I've kept yeah. my bibs from events too, and, mm -hmm. and I'll have them in a pile and then mm. I'll just pull just sort of rotate them and like pull a couple of the yeah. other bibs to the front every once in a while so I can just look and remember oh yeah that that yeah. race oh yeah see I threw out all my bibs <laughs> oh yeah. yeah I don't I even threw out half my medals yeah do, do you are you still good with that or do you regret it yeah no I'm good with it I'm okay yeah 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 I've got my main trophies but you know I just I thought I can't keep everything yeah so my medals just literally sit in a big heap you yeah. know so all the strings are out like the ribbons are out and they're all in a yeah quite a big heap but yeah, yeah. and then I do the same thing I'll just sort of pull a few out in front every once in a while and then remember some other little race there. yeah yeah, yeah. now you're making me feel a bit oh. <laughs> oh, but you know it's <laughs> if you've got photos or something then you've got yeah. that too. Oh. Every, yeah so so out of all those races um and you've done a lot what has been your favorite race so far oh, <laughs> oh like, gosh. Like, how do you choose your favorite yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good thing I don't have children. I've never yeah. had to <laughs> address that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> mm. 
I, I don't, yeah, I don't even don't know. All right, what about your I, least favorite? What was your least favorite? Because uh, this is my most, my most favorite in some, in some ways, UTMB was a favorite race. I don't know that oh. I'd say my most favorite because I would never, because again, like the crowds and I, I would just get running in the night. I would be somewhere just running along in the peace of the night and going up some valley or something. It would just be wonderful in the full moon. And it's like, yeah, and I'm still working really hard, you know, and I'm very focused and everything. But I come around to bend and then there'd be a chalet yeah. with you know, 20 people outside somebody's chalet and they've got all their friends together for the event, you know, and they'd have the cowbells going and their champagne outside or whatever. And they would be like, wow, allez, allez, hop, 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 or whatever, you know, and which so many people are so, they love that. But for me, I would just be like sensory overload, Mm -hmm. overwhelm. So that was a real drawback for for me with a race but I knew that going into it there there would be that kind of thing but but with with UTMB I was really I knew that downhills that was another part of the challenge for me is downhills are one of my weaker points oh okay yeah and so I knew yeah I knew I knew when I was going into that race was like okay you got to really train your downhills you got to up your game girl on your downhills or those girls are going to be passing you all over the place and um and so yeah I still got nailed by one (laughs) one girl coming down a really long descent and um uh but yeah I was really pleased with myself really proud of myself for figuring out what I needed to do in advance where my weak spots would be really training to those even though that meant you know the training was tougher in some ways I was getting out of my comfort zone and then seeing it pay off how I was really able to hold my own and coming into that finish in Chamonix is just downhill for like eight or nine kilometers with you know 100 miles in your legs well I think they'd increase the race that year they'd add another 10 kilometers or something to it yeah so being able to hold that and just kept you know telling myself and you are not going to get past you worked too hard at this point you are not going to let some chick come past you now no way (laughs) so yeah that that race was one of my um yeah my highlights that way yeah and so um Which has been the longest distance or, or time that you have raced? What has been that? Uh, I think it would have to be the 300-mile Arctic one. Mm. Yeah. Because yep. I I'm, and I did the, the FKT on the Bibbleman track, yep. which took like 15 days. But, of course, it's, you know, that's an FKT. It's a bit different with more... Yep stopping yeah kind of stuff so that's a, bit, a little bit different uh, but how, how long is yeah, it back to those listeners who don't know it's a thousand kilometers yeah. and I forget but I think it's about 20,000 meters yeah. altogether in effort yeah which yeah. isn't too much when you consider the distance, really. No, it's got some really, really hilly sections. And then, um, so 
the the north end has lots of vert and then when in the south is all the soft sand that's the stuff yeah. that um that sean kessler runs his uh, i can um which yeah. is the name that's just escaped me the delirious the, uh, yes the delirious yes so he runs that one on in on in, on the south section yeah. and yeah so that one's really low hills for the most yeah. part in comparison yeah. but it it's very insidious the the sand oh, and just the dunes that is just like up Dune down like up sand. down have yeah. you been to that one no nah, i don't like sand <laughs> i like sand. some people like sand some yeah. people do like sand yeah. but i do yeah, not yeah. it's just so frustrating. i try to tell myself that yeah because i think it's not helpful to say i don't like no. it but I'm not very efficient on sand. Yeah, it, yeah. it does. It, it really does take away efficiency for sure. So, yeah. so um, how long? So the Arctic Ultra. Mm. So that was um, three hundred miles. Did you say? Yeah, five hundred k. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you had to pull a poop for that one. Yeah, yeah. So that one, um, yeah, I was sort of reminiscing a little bit I, I guess listening to your podcast on your recent FKT Hi, congratulations amazing you. amazing work um and you know when I hear things like that I'll get a little pit in my stomach <laughs> yeah. as I remember things from some of those yeah um challenges I've done but um when you talked about your your tongue swelling up and yeah. stuff oh boy yeah I had that some experiences with it um, so yeah, so that one with so with that the Yukon Arctic Ultra, it's um, largely self-supported. Yes, and so because it's in the middle of winter, five hundred kilometers, and there were only, oh gosh, was it three or four aid stations Seriously? in the entire thing? Oh my god! So I was going like eighteen wow. hours, twelve to eighteen hours, yeah. and I was going fast, like two men finished in front of me that year that I did that but I I think from memory I would have come in right about like the course record overall was sort of in around the five day mark or just you yeah. know five plus days for doing that event and and I was coming in and so those two men that year but I think from memory was sort of telling me that I I would have been close to, if not like the fastest mm -hmm. overall of my time. Yeah. But then, you know, these other, we had a couple of really, really strong men yeah. then. But yeah, so that was me. And I was going like 12 to 18 hours between. So all those people behind me were right. going, what, 18 to 24 hours or something oh between God. sort of life bases. Uh, so it's, yeah, so you have to pull a pulk behind you with. Yeah all the gear it's um yeah and i remember when you were um prepping for it i would see your post how you're experimenting with things so you know your water didn't freeze as you're getting it and all, all that sort of stuff all the challenges that you had just preparing for that environment yeah um and it's uh yeah it, it's certainly trying to do that training in australia was difficult i was definitely getting onto the sand for, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for exactly. some of that yeah. to do some some pulling through 
of, yeah. of things through the sand and just trying to get my shoulders and hips prepared mm. for all the pulling yeah. that I was going to have to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, but trying to remember my skills in terms of like the winter stuff and being out there all mm. night and, mm. you know, trying to refresh those skills because it's the, you know, when it's minus 30 and you're trying to oh. like, I said, it, it was really, you know, they say, wow, ultra running's a eating and drinking competition or something with a little running in between. Mm. Like this was a dressing competition, mm. really. Yeah. It was all about layers on, layers off, layers on, layers off. Because you couldn't over layer and get hot and start sweating because then your clothes are soaked. As soon as your clothes mm. are soaked, you're dead. Like, yeah. <laughs> And so what did it. you do for breathing? Because like you can't really breathe that cold air but if you put something over your mouth it gets moist which means it freezes yeah yeah exactly so then um one of the um best tips I ended up with from so I I did have a cold avenger mask so I had this whole big Uh. thing but I found that what even what it would do is the moisture still has to come out the front and then what it would do would be the moisture would come out the front and then would drip onto my jacket and then my jacket would start to soak oh crap so I was like well this isn't a win (laughs) uh so um, one of the better methods was actually to, and you know, and then the mask is all right, like for that time. But as soon as if I set it down, took it off, pulled yeah. it off, anything, and then it froze, and then I had to put it back up on my face. Like, so if it's wet with moisture, it's okay. But if it, then I, I pull it down or anything, and then it would literally freeze, right? Yeah. So then I had to pull it back up. I could get frostbite from putting ice against my skin, sort of thing. So um, a buff tubey type thing actually worked the best most of the time. And Mm. because you can put that over and sort of every hour or something, you rotate it a quarter turn and then you breathe into that and then you rotate it a quarter turn and keep doing that until you have. Isn't that funny that it ends up being something quite simple? Yeah. Yeah, after so many different yeah. attempts at different. Well, I don't know. That just does for me. That just does not sound like a lot of fun. Did you enjoy it, <laughs> <laughs> or is that a silly question? Because it's not really oh, about enjoyment, is it? No, I, I, I loved it in the serenity, the peace, the quiet, the yeah. solitude, the sound of silence. Like it was like the utter opposite to UTMB, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And I loved it so much in that sense that I went back the next year to do a solo and I wanted to try to do the full, um, the full, uh, what, what is it? 1000. What is the 1,000 kilometers, 1,000 miles. Yeah, it's 1,000 miles, isn't oh it? The dog God. sled race. Yes, I tried I to do the full thing from, from Whitehorse, Yukon yeah. to Fairbanks, Alaska. Um, but we had a lot of minus 40 spells then. And I just wouldn't mm. risk being out there. It's just so dangerous touching anything. Yeah. Mm. So I guess just but anyway, going back to just the race itself, like certainly during that I mean in the five days I slept less than eight hours so I was yeah beside my, the the canker sores in my oh. mouth 
I've uh -huh, heard you yes. talk about the inability yes. to eat. Yes. Yeah, that just that the painful uh, lips, the pain yes. in eating five days for five days afterwards. I think all I could do oh, was wow. sort of spoon feed myself instant porridge. Like <laughs> instant porridge becomes your best friend, doesn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, it was that mashed bananas. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! But for five days after, holy moly! Yeah, it was it was five days. Yeah, with yeah about with less than eight hours sleep. So there was a, it was the first event I ever hallucinated in. Oh, okay. It was yeah. yeah, it it was pretty massive. But you know, just I ran into one of the guys on the course because the last bit is out and back, and this yeah. Irish bloke and I passed each other, and he hadn't met me to that point. He's like. Oh, finally, I get to see this Bernadette. I kept hearing Bernadette's right behind you. Bernadette, who's this Bernadette? <laughs> but we just stood there in the dark because he was on his way into the finish. I had to get yeah. to the last life base and yeah. back. And for just, I think maybe it was only three minutes or something. We just, I think we just uttered profanities, <laughs> sort of like, oh my, can you believe this? Like about everything that had just been happening you know yeah. and just the insanity that we'd both just gone through about yeah. you know like I would literally sleepwalk I would wake up because I'd drop a pole and oh. that would wake me up and oh. I was I was pulling along this road with a cliff at the side but I would wake up because I'd drop a pole and that would alert me <laughs> to wake up again it was just yeah, yeah oh, wow definite. One of those things that's like really amazing to tell the stories afterwards. Yeah. And <laughs> it makes a great story, but it's not necessarily pleasant to experience it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so how, when you're talking about, you know, only sleeping for eight hours, how do you handle sleep deprivation? Mm. I always ask um, this stuff, everybody, because I'm trying to get tips. <laughs> oh you have some more goals do you in yeah, like, yeah. Always, involving you know. sleep deprivation <laughs> no diet no diet <laughs> uh well my experience like first learnings I guess goes way back to adventure race some adventure racing in Canada yeah uh, and I I had a client at the time who I was an accountant, I had a client at the time who was uh, um, a sleep doctor, actually. Oh, and okay. I'd asked him for a couple tips. Yeah. And, and everything I've read ever since, too, is really just backed up that I, I there's no scientific way to train it. No, I've I never yeah. seen any literature that ever has, has supported that yet to train sleep deprivation. Um, so really if you can sleep in two hour or four, four hour increments that's often best yeah um because that's a natural circadian rhythm uh -huh. is a two hour or four hour like a four yeah. hour allows two of those right yeah um or the 20 minute cat nap yeah yeah so you don't let yourself fall into the deeper sleep and yeah. i used the i used the 20 minute yeah. um one even quite a bit on things like um like in the bibbleman because mm -hmm. sometimes I would be just you know running along in the middle of the day so I'd sleep generally yeah. every night of course or try yeah. mostly it was just 
the legs were so painful and yeah yeah, forget sleep anyways but then so then I would just do the cat and I was just literally in the chair and just Mm -hmm. and say just don't let me sleep you know more than 20 minutes kind of thing and just do those little power naps yeah it's almost better for the body just to keep moving isn't it and just short naps yeah yeah and even um I mean, a mate of mine recently, I just heard he'd done a, an event and um, like a, his first 24 hour attempt. And he said something about, um, you know, like laying down in the middle of the night for a while. And then when he got up, he was just so stiff. Yeah. Right. And that's what like I can be running in a 24 hour race and I'm still running and I'm yeah. like, you know, and running. I, I definitely, it's not sexy looking. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> I know that I've seen enough people on the track at 23 yeah. hours in when I'm standing to the side going, that's not a great, like, <laughs> looking at form on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but I can still be running, but the yeah. moment, yeah, I, but you stop, right. It's like, yeah. so like, you know, pick a race, any length, whatever, you know, UTA, anything, and you stop and then, you just start stiffening up everything. And that's why I would have thought like a two hour or four hour sleep would just be, would be horrible. Wouldn't it really? Sounds horrible in reality. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I've definitely found that, yeah, with, with some things I'm depending on the pace. So I think, you know, the pace that I want to try to go again when I get going. So I had signed up for a six day race, I was supposed to do COVID, <laughs> um, which was going to be a massive challenge. But my attempt then would have been the four to do the four hours sleep each night. Uh, and, yeah. and I reckoned it would be that it'll be yeah. hard to get started, but I'll start by walking and then yeah. slowly work into the run walk. And, and which six day was this? That was the emu. Okay. So are you going to do it this year? No, I didn't sign up for it this year. Um, I did sign up for um, the Iger Ultra. Uh, normally, mm. I'm in Europe for the Australian yeah. winters, but we haven't committed to that right mm. now. Um, it's been hard not going back no. to see family as well yeah. who yeah. are overseas. Another, yeah. but. Um, Given the uncertainties that are particularly around getting back. Yes, that's to, the uncertainty mainly, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, um So we, will, will you be, get your um shots? Uh <laughs> I don't want AstraZeneca. To no, be neither do I. No. Honest. I don't. Um I mean if I look at where the science is right now on it, and yeah, because I am in my early 50s now so that's what's being offered if i was in yeah. canada hey <laughs> oh they're giving the pfizer are, in canada yeah yeah, yeah. they they put their eggs in more than one basket yeah. so um yeah but um but the science right now is is saying if I, if i had a lot of existing pre-existing health conditions I would be better off to get the AstraZeneca because I would have a higher risk of um, an adverse effect from actually contracting COVID (laughs) or um, if I had a pre-existing condition or the other thing is that AstraZeneca um, right now, I mean, just going off on a whole different (laughs) tangent is um, 
people who are really healthy actually um i mean that's we we clot (laughs) it's the healthier people that tend Uh to clot the unhealthy people don't clot they they get an immune response they they get a lesser immune response we get an immune response us healthier people are getting an immune response and then we're getting this clotting that's happening um so people who are less healthy yeah they're probably not actually getting that much benefit maybe from the shot yeah yeah that's a good point yeah so i'm definitely happy to like let other people go in front of me in the queue (laughs) yeah me too that's okay yeah yeah Yeah. my quality of life is really good right now (laughs) yeah that's it Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, and but it's something that we have to consider if we want to be racing overseas. And But in saying that, like, how do you in Australia train for the mountains of, say, UTMB or the Iger or whatever? Mm-mm. And that's, yeah, and that's something else that, you know, and I was in WA, right, which everybody's oh, like, they don't have yeah. any else. Nah. <laughs> but I did it. I successfully mm-hmm. trained yeah. on, in the hills, in the Perth hills, and went to Swiss Alpine and got third place you know so so it's possible year of UTM yeah yeah exactly so you choose your places and um your places to go and you know and I would always try to mimic if I could with a race so I've learned that along the way too is you know for a race like that if I know sort of the vert profile of a race it's like if I need 10k and 700 and Yes. 50 meters gain over that 10k sort of if that's the average for that yeah. race yeah. then try to mimic that in some yeah. of my key runs so it might be that I'm doing some more hill re- repeats at an easy pace so I might spend a whole long run yeah. might have just been hill repeats in WA at an easy oh. pace not those yeah. fast no, hill no, repeats that we think of as, yeah. Yeah, yeah as a traditional sort of hill repeat kind of just getting the vert in but just to get the vert in Mm -hmm. yeah no and 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 that's great for listeners to hear to that that you can train for these mountainous races even if you live in a flat area it just takes a little bit of creative thinking yeah Yeah. and I didn't I never done it with stairs because I'm not a believer in stairs I don't think it's natural like if I had any other choice if if it was only stairs then maybe but um I know I was at a UTA mm. camp or um, they had a thing like or before it was a trail running conference and uh, Andy from mile 27 yeah, so, yeah we had we had a bit of a yeah bit of a difference of opinion there <laughs> on, <laughs> on that he was okay with it but I yeah. uh, no I think it's uh, as a repetitive thing I think it's very unnatural so if I was yeah, maybe training true. for the empire state climb or something maybe i need to train my hips and train my musculoskeletal but it's so repetitive in exactly the same way like even when you're doing a hill rep that hill's got different gradients right so you're steep and then it's shallow for a bit and then it's like you've got you know it's five percent and two percent and eight percent and so you're varying up your gait and Mm. your stride length and everything the whole time too which i just think is so so much more protective so yeah yeah more yeah. and it's more natural yeah, that, that's cause... an interesting point i hadn't thought of it that way i, I like that thinking 
mind you, I used to in, in Calgary go and do the stairs in time. Mm. You know, I just gave, yeah, 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 I just gave a friend of mine heck on Strava for, After doing the <laughs> she stairs? went to Nose Hill to do some stairs and, and it's like, I disapprove. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Meanwhile, somebody else had just said like, oh, way to go or something. And I'm like, oh, poor her. She's got the thing, the same problem I used to have with mates yeah. <laughs> and their advice. Yeah. <laughs> So no, earlier you sort of said something about retirement. Would do you think you would ever really retire from running? Um, I'm shaking my well, head dur- as I say this, assuming yeah. you don't know. <laughs> during every race, I think about three yeah. hours in, I retire 20 times. Yes, I, I know. It's like I'm never doing this again. Why do I keep doing Why this? Why do I do this? This is, this is <laughs> such a stupid idea. Why would yeah. I do this? Why did you yeah. ever seem smart? Yeah. <laughs> running is so much fun. Yeah, the training is just like so much fun, and it's just yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I do, I, I do tend to struggle a lot um, in that that point, uh, that you know, early. Would you and I would think... you still be inclined to run if, or train if you didn't have a race? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, is definitely a lifestyle for me. Yeah. It's it's a way of being. It's it's a men- it's mental health. It's yeah. how I know everything's right in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's really really good for me. Um, and yeah, although yeah, definitely the retiring thing comes into my head every once in a while. It's. Yeah. I think as, as long as I can keep finding challenges and the other thing is I, I feel greatly challenged by, um, by my work, okay. my work training balance. Yeah. And so now too, and I love my work, but what now you, as well, work? I'm a child psychologist. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So now having just moved interstate to and building a clientele, like there's more, involved right now in in getting my you know just sort of getting involved with new families here and 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 probably good timing with with the lack of racing sort of going on around the world yeah yeah um but there's there's definitely some races here and now too Mm -hmm. like I've got my eyes on some still some w50 um Ah. age group goals until 24 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing like 20, twenty-four hour. Yeah. And what's um, so? What age? So W fifty. And what yeah, is the so record for that? Oh gosh. Um, okay, so I've been focused a little bit more on that hundred k W fifty. So Tia oh. Tia Jones has for oh, the Australian yeah. records. Tia Jones has set yeah. the bar I was just at uh was I at Canberra with her yeah. and she's in the W55 now and she just oh, had a, she an amazing day um yeah. there and it was really good seeing her having um hitting some age group records in um yeah. for the W55 in the 12 hour race and so I was there to have a crack at the 100k and I've been trying to do that since like looking for the opportunities since I've turned 50 yeah. but between COVID and between my 
what, proclivity to going overseas yeah. always during Australian winter right and then yeah. I go do these mountainous things in Europe and Canada yeah. and that's amazing but I'm always trying to race yeah. for records in the heat in Australia yeah. it's stupid it's really yeah I'm putting my fingers in too many my thumbs in too many pies all the time and but that's, um, that, but that's good that's what makes life interesting yeah but I, yeah, I definitely don't set myself up well for, yeah. for trying to have the best crack at records, especially when I have people like Tia Jones who've set the bar. Like, What was, what was really. her record? So, well, her 100K W50 is eight hours, 33 minutes and something wow. seconds. And so wow. when I was at Canberra this last time, it was just way too hot. By 45 minutes in, we had the sponges going on me. Mm. You know, I'm trying to run a sub five minute pace and yeah, it was yeah. just the heat reflecting on the try. I was like, oh, okay, this is not going well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I was going to end up with something like an eight hour 40, the way the predictions were going. I pulled out at, um, I missed her 50 mile record by 12 seconds. Oh. Oh. But I knew like it was just, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, like that's, that's part of the game. It's part of the, the, the challenge and yeah, that's um, it. so yeah. there's that. Um, and then the 24 hour, now the 24 hour Canadian record for W50 is something like a hundred and I think 192 K or something, oh, okay. but the, so T, but Tia Jones has got the Australian W50 I think she ran that at one of the world championships, 218 kilometers, oh, wow. I think, something like that. So that's awesome. Mm. Yeah. So that's the number to beat there. Yeah. Holy um, yeah. So I, I definitely have some of those goals. And since I, I you know, I'm aiming to stay here now through the winter, yeah. I think through the Australian yeah. winter, that it's really the time to, yeah, to have a look at, so which, I, which one are you are you going to go to Stevens race to try that um no because I did look at that one I and I love the Shri events I saw that um he'd he'd taken over that one yeah, and yeah. it's it's that's great but when I looked at the number of people there he, he's got um oh. over 50 people yeah, in the 24 hour it's just yeah. a it's a full track yeah yeah. And even in the, when I went for the hundred K I had, and I knew what I had, I had the 48, but I only had, I had the 48 hour people I had to, yeah. you know, go around and stuff and who are all tired, of course, and they're doing their best, but yeah. they're sort of like here, there and everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and I told myself, it's like, well, it's good. It's like, I vary up my gate by going around them instead of being monotonous, but, yeah. you know, sort of jumping into the infield at oh, some God. Point yeah, like no. when somebody veers to the side. Or, so so which ideal. one are you planning on trying? Um, um, Maddie Mark? Eck, Matt Eckford's um, Invitational, 24-hour Invitational. Uh, Matt Eckford's Australian 24-hour uh, Invitational. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah so he's invited me to that one a few times and well maybe last year I guess I don't know if that was his first year or the year yeah I think I'm always saying like, virtual a bit that one as well last oh year. Yeah. yeah so then the year before he must have yeah. invited yeah but then it's always the Europe thing yeah. um but yeah this year well this is a um, good opportunity so yeah yeah and I mean fun. 
yeah and he keeps the field he he keeps the field really small um and uh yeah and you know july in canberra it really actually should be cold yeah you shouldn't have to worry too much about heat then (laughs) it's horrific for crew i really feel bad for crew probably the worst for crew yeah yeah Yeah. that's that's it when they you know and it's funny because they're all in their puffies and everything right and they're jumping from spot to spot and everything and i'm in a t-shirt like spinning around the the track that's funny all right well what we'll so that's july in canberra i'll get the um links for that and so people can have a look and 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 see um follow on and maybe we can have a chat after that when you've got the record how does that sound yeah when yeah and we'll find out which record I run for because I am still debating whether I have a crack again at the 100k right now Ah. or just or just do the 24 hour because um Matt's happy for me to you know do Do either pick whichever you You know whatever goal I want (laughs) and so because there is the 50 mile the 100k and the (laughs) the 24 hour that are all in there um and I you know and I can't be greedy and I just have to choose my goal and and go for that and honor and respect that challenge and not think I can try to do you know so yeah yeah uh, I'll see Oh, well, that would be interesting to see. So how can, if people want to follow you on social media or something, how how can they do that? Do you do Mm. much on socials these days? I'm rotten with it. And my poor long-suffering spots. (laughs) 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 No, it's, um, I'm not good at, um, did I say I'm not good at spruiking myself or? Yeah, no, that's um, yeah yeah it like uh, well I don't like to put my pigeonhole myself about saying you know I'm not good at it but yeah. I really feel like I, I have to be authentic uh, yeah. in in everything I do and I've I've not accepted some sponsorships in the yeah. past because I just felt like I yeah. it wasn't an authentic relationship or I was going to have to give something you know with a shoe sponsor yeah. like you yeah. can only wear this shoe and it's like yeah but unfortunately you don't have great trail shoes <laughs> it's like yeah. yeah okay I'm not I can't, I'm not going to compromise and no, no. um no, I think that's so true. I I love who I yeah I am um who, who I am affiliated with but um but yeah I in terms of sort of posting all the time and things I'm definitely not great so I tend to put almost every run on Strava now um, which I've gotten into a good habit of doing but then I don't on share it to Facebook which maybe would be a a helpful thing and yeah and I I kind of looked I've tried looking before at like the Instagram story and Facebook story and I spent a good couple days like trying to wrap my head around it and it's like that's not an authentic Bernadette (laughs) that's just not the way Bernadette's yeah and and, you know and that's fair enough but but people can look you up on on any of those on Strava or or yeah yeah so I am on I am on Facebook I am on Insta I like the I like both platforms um I'm just not great about um you're not a prolific poster and that's fine posting um and if I felt there was more value 
in it for people, I guess it yeah. would definitely inspire me to do it because I'm definitely passionate about helping people and stuff, but just yeah. saying, hey, look at me, I'm so great or something. Yeah. It's not, but if it, there's value in me helping people, which is why yeah. I guess even like a podcast like this. Yeah. If yeah. I, as I, well, it, it might um, help other might people somehow in their journey. Yeah. And, and they might want to ask you a question about some races that they're hoping to do in the next hundred years when we're allowed to travel again so you know <laughs> whenever that may be so yeah. yeah finding their own personal challenge yeah, or just finding or a personal challenge yeah. that's right yeah yeah all right well mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining me today especially because you have just been moving furniture and buying furniture and trying to get organized <laughs> so I really appreciate it yeah, well, um, thanks for the, the opportunity. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing and getting more, having more opportunities for people to get information from mm, yeah. the community, I, share and learn. And that's yeah, it. yeah, no, it's all good. And, and I, um, I look forward to, to chatting with you in, uh, to, you know, after the race in July and we can dissect that one too. And if that happens, maybe you'll see some things That's on right. the shelf. <laughs> I expect to see full shelves. <laughs> I thought about running and grabbing like a stuffy or something to my profile. Uh, but then that might have looked a bit odd, just this one stuffy sitting there just looking at us, watching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right, been, well, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. All right, I'll speak to you later. Okay. Bye. I hope you did enjoy this episode. I feel like Bernadette and I could have spoken for at least another hour. Anyway, as always, if you have any ideas for future interviews or topics, please let me know. Have a great week of running and racing.